All right. Coming up on today's show, we have Greg Walls, accomplished athlete, personal trainer, sports performance instructor. The guy comes from the world of athletics, world from performance. What's going on, Greg Walls? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm fantastic. Thanks for joining me here today, live in the lab. Where are you joining us from today? Man, I am in Irving, Texas, man. I'm actually in Las Colinas, a little small suburb out here in Irving, Texas. Man. Irving, te- home of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, home where they're in Arlington now. Started you- out in Irving, and now they're in the Jerry World is in Arlington now. That is right. Thanks yeah. for the correction. Yeah, when he yeah. built Jerry World, uh, Jerry World, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, Arlington won the bid in terms yeah. of all little cities. And like, yeah, we'll give you the most money, Jerry. Come build your stadium over here. So that's where it is, man. It's right over there. It's right next door to uh, the new baseball stadium. Okay. So yeah. it's pretty cool over there. Oh, no kidding. And where's the, uh, where's the where's the hockey rink? Where are the stars play? Man, somewhere in Dallas. Down, I think near downtown Dallas. I know that's where the Mavs play downtown. I haven't okay. been to a stars game. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Hey, during the monologue, were you able to relate with anything I was saying regarding accountability, staying out of a peanut butter jar, staying out of any of your personal Greg Walls poisons? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, while you were talking, man, I was thinking, I was like, uh, but <laughs> you got two abilities. You got rely, uh, you got availability and reliability, and both of them make you accountable, man. So I, I think it's funny because I love sweets. I love cookies. I love cakes. I love them to death, and it's that time of year. And sometimes you get into that mindset where you want to tell yourself, hey, you know what? I'm going to stay out of this. I'm going to stay out of that. But then I had to be honest with myself and say, hey, how about I hold myself to a different standard this year and say I'm going to do something different so I can, after the holidays, I can hold myself accountable to cutting down the sweets. I think I'm going to do it like that this year. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, so... (laughs) <laughs> I love this conversation already because it's real, right? Because there's a lot of guys right now listening to you and I, Greg, right now that are thinking, ah, fuck, man, going into the holiday season. How do I want to feel about this? Do I want to indulge? Do I want to change my strategy like you're doing? It's just yeah, it's, it's don't thing. lie to yourself. What's that? Don't lie. They just don't lie. Keith, they just can't lie to themselves, man. That's the first step in becoming a man. Don't lie to yourself. Yeah. So we all got something we want to do. And then we all got stuff we think we should be doing. But whatever it is, don't lie to yourself. So that way, when you make the decision, you'll go 100 miles an hour at it. Yeah, that, that's a great mantra. I, my, my monologue this morning was very impromptu. was very impromptu. So the fact that you're continuing picking up on that is, is, is exceptional. Because don't lie to yourself is a wonderful way, especially as we're entering the accountability season of food, right? Like it really is that time of year for the next two weeks. It's like food and drinks and so forth. And I, like you, I struggle with sweets. That's why I said I, I will often walk by the cakes and I'll just pretend how good they taste. And then I'll run away. <laughs> yeah. So I'll sit in the office, man. People walk right, right up to them and say, hey, I know you're going to eat this. I know you're going to eat this. So why would I waste all those good holiday cookies and cakes, man, whenever they know? And then after that, after the holiday season, I take a real look at what decision I'm going to make physically to, to actually stick to it and be consistent and then when you move into the next holiday season you just don't eat as many cakes because it ain't the same it don't taste the same that's it that's it change the habit life's a cycle isn't it greg it's crazy ain't it? it's, it's an crazy. absolute crazy cycle so you join us from uh, from urban texas you are you successfully transitioned from being an all-conference athlete to a renowned performance coach 
to business leader. Now, along the way, can you share some insights on how the disciplines and skills, Greg, that uh, from sports, how has it shaped your approach to business, particularly <laughs> leadership and team building, connections? Big question. That's, that is a big question. So I'll start at the beginning. It wasn't as successful a transition as it always sounds. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of failure in those transitions, man. And that's the le one lesson I took from sports. There's going to be a lot of failure in those transitions. I got to TCU by way of Picayune, Mississippi. So I'm from a small town in Mississippi. I'm talking about right off the Gulf Coast, five minutes from the border of Louisiana. So I grew up there. I played high school football there. Shout out to the Maroon Tide, winning tradition for the past 20 something years. So we, uh, I got a phone call from the director of football operations at TCU. And he said that a coach that we played against in high school said that they should call and recruit me. So that's how I got to TCU. And then played those four years at TCU, ended up being all conference, and then went to a camp with the thin Redskins, now the commanders, went to camp there, and then I got cut. So I was in camp, I got cut, I think it was about two weeks before the regular season started. And that's when things got a little interesting. So I had to graduate, I finished with school. I had about a semester left of school. So when I was with the uh, Skins, the commanders now, when I was with the commanders, they, uh, I didn't leave school. Only had a semester left. Mm -hmm. So I called all my professors. I said, hey, listen, I'm in camp trying to do this NFL thing, but don't take me out of class. If I get cut, I'll be in class in the next couple of weeks. So just whatever you don't, like, I'm not going to miss class. Just make sure, keep me on the roll. I'm enrolled in school. I need to work or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I didn't want that to happen. But when I got cut on a Friday, I was in class on Monday. So it sucked. However, I was in class on Monday. So I had a semester left. I finished that semester. I got my degree in education. So I taught school for a couple of years. I taught what, what could be referred to as middle school. Yeah. It was sixth, sixth grade, seventh, eighth yeah. grade, language arts, spelling, stuff like that. Well, you'd, and, be, uh, you'd be a fun middle school teacher, I can tell. Oh, man, it was uh, class was amazing. I had, <laughs> they had two rules in class. That's all I had was two rules. Don't talk when I'm talking. Don't talk when somebody's talking to me. That was it. The rest of it, we worked it out. We, we didn't. wasn't a bunch of rules. It wasn't a bunch of dictation. There's a democracy in here, baby. I control the environment, but you guys, everybody got a voice. We just got to keep it down. So we don't get and, and what a role model you would have been for a number of those kids in that classroom too, right? Showing them what they could be one day. Man, I had some of those kids uh, graduated from Stanford. I had a few kids that, uh, that I taught in, in sixth grade. They ended up going to Stanford. Some was in the military. They reached back out to me. Hey, Mr. Walsh. Hey, coach. How's everything? Here's what was going on in my life. So it's cool, man. It was real cool. It was a lot of years ago, man. I was uh, like 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm old. I'm old, brother. I'm old. But uh, so from there, I got a call from a great friend of mine. We've been friends now for the past 26 years. He was coaching Division II football 
And he asked me, he said, man, you want to coach football? And I, I didn't want to stay in the classroom. I taught for like two years. And I wasn't, I just wasn't feeling the classroom. I liked the kids. I liked teaching. Everything was yeah. cool. I just, I wasn't feeling the classroom. <clears throat> so I went to, uh, I said, yeah, man, I'll come coach football. So I went and coached some uh, Division II football at Emporia State. Tremendous experience. Uh, learned a lot about, a lot. Like, I learned, I learned a lot about athletics. I learned a lot about the business of collegiate sports, even that early, being able to recruit on that level, um, being able to be involved on that level, and then coaching uh, some athletes that are mid-level, some high-level, some mid-level athletes. So from there, ended up coaching. I left there, got a gig as a defensive assistant, what they call analysts now, mm -hmm. and they pay them a lot of money for, I was a defensive assistant, at Texas A&M with Coach Dennis Franchoni and his staff. Shout out to Coach Fran and his staff. So I learned a little bit about what I learned from Fran or what I loved about Fran was his business acumen or his approach to the actual game or to the to, to college football. And he was very detailed. So I got a chance to see those things. And then from there, I coached a little. I went back to Emporia and then coached at Texas State. When I got out of coaching in 2008 or nine or something to that effect, I ended up, I was doing a lot of training and performance instruction. And then from that point forward, man, that's what I've been doing. I've had the opportunity to open up my own facility, ran my own facility for eight years, performance experience. I had an opportunity where I've trained thousands of people, everybody from eight-year-old athletes to 89-year-old gentlemen with Parkinson's had a chance to work with who are now current Hall of Famers, trained people who are now in the Hall of Fame during their professional careers, people overseas. So it's been a trip, man. It's been a trip. Won a few awards along the way. So that's the journey in a nutshell. There are about 6,000 failures <laughs> in between those stops. So that answers your question. I, I, but I appreciate, so thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing that answer with the audience. And, and I appreciate you answered in, in, in the journey that it was, because it really was a journey. And it's interesting yeah. because when our journeys are complete, as we go through life, we see titles, don't we? Oh, right. absolutely. And, and but yet, but yet we don't see, like you said, all the failures that actually you had to go through to accumulate or to earn that title. Right. So it's yeah. I appreciate your commentary around all like nobody sees the 23 hours for the one hour of performance. Nobody sees those six days of working your ass off for the one day of in front of things. Right. Well, it's all that hard work you got to put in behind the scenes. All those times you're falling on your face. Right? But even before that. So what I mean, man, and, and this is why I was so interested in your show. So. Yeah. When you're an athlete, like when athletics is a part of your life, not when you just played a sport or. Mm -hmm. You were pretty good. I'm, I'm being mm -hmm. keeping it a hundred. Like you, you were at a level of competition that allowed you to think. Yes, you could play at the highest level, or did like I. That, so that's you know, where I, I'm going. Yeah, like I, I had an Olympian here in the lab a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him the question. I said, "Did you plan on being an Olympian?" He's like, "No, I planned on being a gold medalist." So before I failed, <laughs> so before I failed. The first time I experienced failure and what I learned about this is as a man, 
if I, I don't have any kids, but my nephews and, and all of the male youngins I talk to, yes. they, they, need, they need to fail early. Like you need to experience a real failure young. Here's why. The first time I experienced failure was when I got cut by the mm. now commanders. Mm. So up until then, I was a city champion in baseball at 12 years old. I was an all-state and all-American baseball player in high school, all-state football player, played on all-star teams, went to college, started four games as a freshman, played in eight, two-time all-conference during college, got a chance to go to the NFL. So I had never experienced an opportunity for somebody to say, no, you're done. You're not good enough. This is the end for you. Mm. Although I went as a, now I can see it, but I went as a free agent. That year, I went as a cornerback as a free agent. That year, Daryl Green was still on the team, Hall of Famer. Champ Bailey was on the team, Hall of Famer. Donovan Greer, who had just got traded from Buffalo and was one of the fastest people in the NFL at that time, just got picked up, and Fred Smoot just got drafted. I wasn't going to make that team. But when I was in camp, nobody could have told me I wasn't going to make that team. And I had a pretty good camp. It wasn't great, but I could compete. I, com- I was competitive. I got a chance to get snaps in preseason games. People on the outside can hear that and not really understand it and be like, well, you suck at this, that, and the other. That's not the case. Looking at the actual case, I wasn't good enough to make that team. I wasn't an All-American. I wasn't one, like, I wasn't, I didn't just get drafted by them. I wasn't going to be a Hall of Famer, not as a rookie free agent. But in my mind, I was going to make the team. So when I got cut, Man, that experience was devastating. Like, yeah. you walking off the field, hey, Greg, they're coming to get you. Hey, the Reaper coming to get you. He coming to get your playbook. You done, Now, I've watched other cats. I've been watching cats go home all week. I've been watching cats get cut. I've been adapting cat up one day. The next day, I see him with his pillow walking out to a hotel. But it, it never in my mind was going to be me. So when it was me, and I'm sitting in front of Marty Schottenheim, man. He looking me in my face saying, Greg, we're going to let you go. You weren't good enough to be here. Maybe you'll get another chance somewhere else. Man, those words don't really mean much at 21 years old if you never fail. So now I got to go home as a failure. I got to go to class and finish this thing that I thought I was going to be able to finish on my own time. I'm going now. I'm living with my girlfriend because I don't have a place to stay yet. This just happened. I get cut on Friday. I'm in class on Monday. As an athlete, the get up and go, the resilience in you, you're going to go. You're going to get up. You're going to go to class. You're going to succeed. But I was angry at everybody. Yeah. I was mad at the world. I was depressed. I was a failure. I was just teaching. Like I didn't realize the impact that I'm having now not at that age. All I saw was I screwed this up. I ain't finna be able to buy my mama that house. I ain't gonna be playing on Sundays. The career, I can't see past your failure. 
Because you went from Friday being the athlete to Monday being the failure. And I hate to use those titles, but that's, that's really- what it was. That's exactly. It's like you went from athlete, pull it down, now failure in your own no, mind. To I, make it even more brutal than that, to cut. Yeah. Like you're done. You're right. cut. So, of course, why you didn't try to go back? I did try to go back, but getting in, staying in is a little easier than getting back in. You know what I'm saying? So I mm-hmm. tried. I was going to go to Canada, and I, I wasn't going to play indoor ball. I had opportunities to play indoor ball, and I, wasn't, I, I was too cool, too good for that, of course. In your mind, of course. I wanted to, but it, none of it worked out. So I chased it for about a year, and I chased it for about a year. And I did well. I had some amazing tryouts, some not so good. But when I realized, hey, man, that's a wrap. Now it ain't no going back. Like You can't put that tube back in the toothpaste, so you got to go forward with your life. You have no choice but to go forward. It's easier to go forward at 21, 22, because you got your whole life ahead of you. That part of it, the quicker you can get out of that part of it, the more clear the road will become. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But until then, you're still chasing something that you ain't really, that it's not for you to catch. It's time to move and experience different failures on your path to another success. 